Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. I've asked the Lord, speak to me. Show me what we're doing today, where we're going today. And as we were singing that, Brandon and team, I saw in my spirit, as you were lifting up your hands, and not only here, but all across the world, I saw the Father on the throne. I saw this in my spirit. And as you were lifting your hands, I saw him stand up and receive your praise and receive your honor. And I believe in all my heart, what God is saying to me right now is he's saying, I love you beyond anything you can imagine. And I receive your praise and I receive your worship. And God says, remember this, I inhabit, I live, I defeat the enemy. I bring healing and miracles in the worshiping, praising of my people. Would you give him a clap offering one more time? Absolutely phenomenal. Come on, clap your hands and just praise him. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I want you to stay standing in just a moment. This is the time that we open up in prayer. And this morning as I was praying before I got ready to come to church, God spoke to me about this moment right now. You know, today is when we understand three times a year we come before the Lord. We don't come empty-handed. And God opens the windows of heaven. It's, It's the word window in Hebrew is yushod. It means a funnel. Three times a year, there is a funnel that opens from the throne of God to whatever our needs are. And so the most important thing I can share with you right now, I I believe God is a God of healing. God is still a God of miracles. God is still a God that brings water out of a rock. God is still a God that opens blind eyes. God is still a God who brings a gold coin out of a fish's mouth. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a miracle God. But the most important miracle I can share with you is the moment you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he puts you on a road that leads you to the blessings of God. He protects you. He guides you. He leads you. He covers you. And so before we do anything else, I'd like you to have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, because at the end of this, we're going to worship him in the Passover offering. But before we do any of that, the most important thing is that we give you a chance to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Larry, I have never been born again. I've never, maybe you've gone to church and you've never been born again. Or maybe you have been born again, but somewhere along the line, you kind of slid off course. Today, is the day of your new beginning. Just think of Israel leaving Egypt and they begin the journey to the promised land. Today, that journey can begin with you. So I want to open up the service this morning. We're not going to ask you to come down, but right where you're at, I believe before we say a word, you're already in the presence of God because of the praise and worship. And you'd say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I need to give my life or rededicate my life to the Lord. I want right now to receive Jesus or ask him back into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one is looking around. Just between you and the Holy Spirit of God and me, you'd say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I want a new beginning in Jesus today. Lift your hand up all over the building and hold it there. Hold it there because I want to acknowledge every one of you. Because everyone, if you're the only person on the face of the earth 
that would receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, he would have willingly died for you. So lift your hand up right now. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Keep him up. That hand, 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 that hand. God bless you. Keep him up. Keep him up. That hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand. Keep him up. That hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand. Two hands going up with that guy. That hand, that hand, that hand. Lift him up. That hand, that hand. Lift him up. That hand, 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 that hand. Give them a great big clap offering. Now, let me share with you. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you rededicate, you know, I never, I never became religious. I have never become religious in, in my life. I, as a pastor, I've tried. I've tried to act religious. I just can't do it. I didn't get a religion. I got a day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what being born again is. And it's not just, okay, now someday I'm going to make heaven my home. Yeah, that's the main thing. But he'll lead you and guide you. You know, I I just feel like somebody needs to hear this. You know, when I got saved and then Tiz and I got married and then we had kids, I had no good example in my life of what a Christian was, of what a husband was, of what a father was. I had no good example of that. And so when I received Jesus, he's not just getting me to heaven or getting you to heaven. He's come to give you life and that life more abundant to lead you and guide you. And I just feel like somebody needs to hear this. Surrendering your heart to Jesus, he's going to come and heal families and homes and marriages relationships with children there's a miracle waiting for us amen so i want you to take your neighbor's hand all over the building if you're not comfortable with it because of covid shame on you (laughs) lift your neighbor's hand up because you're lifting up their heart and their life as the family say this out loud say father i come to you right now in the name of jesus i know i've sinned we've all sinned But I know this, you love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this like a warrior, Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home my family, my finances, and my future. And I declare in the name that's above every name, every curse is broken and every blessing is released. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give the Lord a shout. John. How many raised their hand? Huh? 52 people gave their lives to the Lord. And you, and you know something? Talk about an ego breaker. I didn't preach one word and 52 people gave their lives to the Lord. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Last week on, on Sunday, I think we had over 100 people give their lives to the Lord. And then all through the weekend, we've had a couple hundred people give their lives to the Lord. We have, I think next week we have baptism. Is that correct? Next week. When they said to Peter, what must we do? Everything Jesus tells us to do, everything the word of God tells us to do. Let me say it this way. Nothing the word of God tells us to do is because of a ritual. Now, Jesus did say, why call me Lord and not do what I told you to do? So there is ritual in what we do, but the ritual doesn't mean anything without revelation. It's not just doing it. It's the revelation of what happens when we do it, when we obey the Lord. 
And so they said to Peter, what must we do? They realized Jesus is the Lord. And he said, repent, give your lives to the Lord, right? Get baptized. Now, baptism is the, the breaking of the curses of this world. It's, it's breaking the limitations of this world. And when you come out of that water, in Hebrew, you are born again. That's what it means. The baptismal tank is called in Hebrew, a mikvah, which means the womb of the world. And so when you get baptized, you're not joining the church or an outward sign of inward. Jesus didn't join the church. He is the church. He didn't need an outward sign of an inward work. He was about to go into a new phase. And he was breaking every limitation this world had put on him. And he came out. And when he came out of that water, what came on him? The power of the Holy Spirit. So if you have just given your life or you know someone that's given your life this last week or whatever, and you haven't been baptized again, you need to get baptized because it's not a ritual. It is something supernatural that happens and that prepares you for the amazing outpouring of God's spirit in your life. Because I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to prophesy over you all. This next year is going to be an amazing year. It just keeps getting better and better. I know the world's crazy out there. And I know you hear me, you hear me say it. And, you know, I said this to somebody. I was, I was actually taking a horseback riding lesson. I, I do mounted shooting where I shoot. Somebody said, animals? I said, no, I shoot balloons. Yeah, they line up bunnies and I shoot them and they... <laughs> I, I, I do on horseback shooting balloons. And I, and, and I told them uh, that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And these people who are Christians go, oh, that's amazing saying. I said, oh, it's, it's in the Bible. It's, <laughs> but sometimes we hear it so much. Listen, we are in this world, but we're not limited by this world. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. We know who's on the throne. Amen. It's going to be an amazing year. All right. Open your Bibles up to the book of Malachi chapter three. And I want to give you revelation out of Malachi that I would say most of you know, but maybe a lot don't know. Now, let me let me lead up to what Malachi is all about. And like I said, uh, most of you know this, but you know, whenever we're filming our television program, our producers, uh, uh, Melina and Trude, always say, Melina especially says, Pastor Larry, say it as if we've never heard it before, because even if we have heard it, we've forgotten it, or we need it repeated, but most people don't know these things. And the Bible says, it doesn't say it's the truth that'll set you free. The Bible says it's the truth you understand. It's the truth you own. Oh, now I get it. So where did Malachi come from? And it's amazing because, you know, uh, so many preachers will say, that's the Old Testament. There's nothing in the Old Testament for us today. And, uh, and we're the New Testament. And then they receive tithes and offerings. And it's amazing how just that one part of Malachi is still okay for us today. But let me give you a history of Malachi because this will open up to the revelation of Malachi. Israel has gone into 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Let me ask you, can we unplug that for right now? We end? Okay. People watching going, man, those guys are got burning incense going. It's the altar. It's the altar. So Israel has gone into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Now, the reason, and most people don't know, everybody knows about Babylonian captivity, but most people don't understand why they went into Babylonian captivity. And when I say this, put America in this place. Israel, all of a sudden, has come from slavery in Egypt to one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful nation in the world. And everything they were doing, God was blessing. But just like human beings, the more they were blessed, the less they thought they needed God to bless them. 
You know, it's one thing when you got rent due or you got payment due or what, oh God, you know, that we're, but when we've got more than enough and our bills are being paid and our business is going well and our job is going well, it's amazing in human nature how many people stop trusting God and all of a sudden they're too busy to serve God anymore. And so God will get our attention. In the place of Israel, they stopped bringing their first fruit offerings. They stopped doing their tithing. But the main thing is they stopped keeping Shemitah. Now, what Shemitah is, is that in the land of Israel, and by the way, in the last, uh, I would say, 10, 12 years, Israel has gone back to keeping Shemitah. Now, what Shemitah is, is God says, every seven years, you don't plant a seed, you don't reap a harvest, you don't do anything, you leave the ground lying. Now, the reason, the main reason for that is, is that on the sixth year, you have to trust God for a triple blessing. You have to trust God for your livelihood for the sixth year. You have to trust God that there's more than just enough that it'll last you over to the seventh year because of the seventh year, you don't plant any seed. The ground lays feral. And then you have to trust that there's even enough for the eighth year because the eighth year, you've got to plant seed and then wait that year for the harvest to come in. Now, why would God tell his people to do that? Because he did not want them to forget Deuteronomy chapter 8. Do not forget, it is me who gives you power in your hands to gain wealth. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, and I've, I say this all the time, so forgive me if I'm being redundant, but you say, well, pastor, I worked hard for my business. Who do you think gave you that business? Well, I went to school and studied. Who gave you the brain? who provided the money to go to school, whatever the case is. And God says, when your herds are growing and your flocks are growing and your vineyards are going, let me say to America, when you're not hunting with squirrel guns anymore and all of a sudden you're the most powerful nation in the world, do not forget that on our money it says, in God we trust, and that is not any other God, but the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I have an amen? Because what happens? You, you know, what happens? You know, I, and I've been in this a long time. I've seen people start off sleeping in their cars or on the streets, come in the church, get saved, and all of a sudden God is blessing their business and everything going, and all of a sudden they can't afford to tithe anymore because their tithe's too big. You, you, you heard the story of the guy, it's, 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 uh, it's a true story of years ago, this guy was from the streets, came into church, got saved, and he was homeless, and they let him stay at, at one of the buildings in the church, and he became a janitor for the church, and through that, he learned the janitorial business, built a huge janitorial business, thing went nationwide. And so one day he comes to the pastor. He hadn't been in church for months. He comes to the pastor and he said, Pastor, I just can't sleep because I need you to release me from a promise. And the pastor said, well, what promise is that? He said, well, when I first came in and you gave me a job as a janitor in the church, he said, I promise I'd always pay my tithes. I would always help and give. And he said, Pastor, that was, you know, I was making nothing. And he said, now I have a business that's uh, across the nation. And he said, my tithe would be astronomical. He said, I can't afford to tithe. Would you pray that God would release me from my promise? And the pastor said, I can't do that. That was between you and God. But I can pray that you go back to where you can afford to tithe. Make sense? That's human nature. And so this is why Israel went into Babylonian captivity. It's a, it, was a, it was a, yes, a financial thing, but it was a thing saying, you know what? We're so blessed, we really don't need God anymore. Let's take, uh, let me just uh, uh, Larry Huckleize this. Let's take the Ten Commandments out of our schools. Let's take prayer out of our schools. 
Let's, uh, let's start teaching our kids in kindergarten about transgender. You know what? Let's remove God as far from our public view as we can. And God says, be ready for Babylonian captivity. But they woke up. They came to their senses. And so now they're back in Jerusalem. This is the book of Malachi. They have just come out of Babylonian captivity. They're in Jerusalem. All the sages, all the prophets, all the rabbis, and they're praying. This is the book of Malachi. God, how do we keep the enemy from defeating us? It seems like we're going good, we're going well, and then we get off track, we stop obeying God, and we get in trouble again. How do we come back? How do we receive your blessing where our enemy is defeated? And what does the Lord say? He says exactly what we read in the book of Malachi and let me show you this revelation. But I'm going to show you a part of this revelation that most of you have never seen before. So read with me in the book of Malachi. This is where we're at. They're praying. God speaks to the prophet Malachi. Look at chapter 3, verse 6. He says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Doesn't matter if this was 2,000 years ago. Doesn't matter if this is today. He is the Lord God, and he does not change. Somebody say amen. amen. He doesn't change. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what government says. I don't care what the media says. I don't care. God does not change. Thank God. Amen. amen. I am the Lord God. I do not change. And because I don't change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. In other words, I made a covenant. I won't, I won't let you die, but this is why you went into captivity. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances, my commandments, my teachings, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and when you return unto me, it's your move, I will return to you. When you return to me, then I, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Mekadesh, Jehovah Shalom, I will return to you. It's your move. When you return to me, I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? Now remember, they went into Babylonian captivity because basically they said, we don't need God to be Jehovah Jireh anymore. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In your tithes and your offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into my house, that there may be food in my house, and prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven that you showed, the funnel from the throne of God to your life, and pour you out such a blessing. And now look at the next verse there. I think most of our Bibles say that there will not be room enough to receive it, correct? But look at the words in that verse that are italicized. Whenever you see a word italicized in the scripture, it means they added it later to try to explain it. So here God says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Now we read it that there will not be room enough to receive it. And, and I believe that's, that, that is correct because God is a God of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Amen. But that's not the way it reads in the original. He said, I will open up the window of heaven. I will pour you out through the showed unobstructed blessing. But then it reads without the italicized words, that's not enough. In other words, God says, I will not only open the windows of heaven, pour you out such a blessing, but that's not enough. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, 
for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, let me explain that a little bit. When God says, I will open up for you the windows of heaven, this is, this, a lot of our thinking is, um, we live under an open window. And when we finally obey what God's word says, then he pours out through that window a blessing. But then he says, that's not enough. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Now, let me explain it as simple as I can. If you're making 10 bucks an hour and gas is $11 an hour, the devourer is winning. But if we're obeying God, number one, God will open the window of heaven and take us to another level financially But not only will he take us to another level financially, but because we are in this world, but not of this world, God, it doesn't matter what goes on with at the gas pumps. It doesn't matter what goes on in the Oval Office. God will rebuke the devourer for our sake. This is an illustration. If you remember on Passover, he says, when I see the blood, I will stand in front of your home and not allow the destroyer to come into your home, your family, your business, your job, your finances, and strike anybody that's in your home. So this is a divine promise of protection and provision that is supernatural and can only happen to God, with God. Now, let, let me just paraphrase this real quick, and you can write this down. If you go to... Deuteronomy 16, I think it's verse 16 and 17. When God says, return unto me and I'll return unto you. They said, Lord, how do we return? Man, that's good. We just came out of Babylonian captivity. Now, can I give you a prophetic word? I believe we're going to see major financial change begin come November. Because I believe we're going to get the house back. We're going to get the Senate back. We're going to shut our borders down. We're going to have protection. And we think, well, that's a politician doing that. No, that's God doing that. And I believe we are heading into a, and, and I believe it's just beginning, into an amazing financial time of great prosperity But it's only for those who have eyes to see right now and ears to hear and understand what we need to do and how we need to put God back on the throne in America or wherever it is you're watching from. Put God back on the throne. This is what God is saying right now. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Mekadesh. I am Jehovah Shalom. Put me back on the throne. They said, Lord, how do we do that? How do we do that? You know, the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Now, that's not a gimmick. Listen listen to me. I, I am... I am one that hates, literally hates, when ministers get on television and use a gimmick to get funds from people. Now, I'm going to show you something in Malachi that many of you haven't seen. But I hate that. Well, if you give $100 for 100 years, (laughs) Psalms 100 will bring 100, you know, okay, forgive me, Lord. Maybe that's true. I just don't see it. There is God's way. Matter of fact, if you look at Malachi, and if we have time, I'll show you today. Before God says, I'll open the windows of heaven, the first thing he says is, I'm going to judge preachers for the way they take offerings. I'm going to judge preachers for the way they take offerings. And when they take an offering, what they use it for. Right? See, I don't know about you, but if... We say we're trying to raise a million dollars to save Jews, and we raise a million dollars, and we don't give a million dollars. Guess what? I'm a liar. Say, I'm going over to the... You guys look a little hostile over here. I'm going to stand by my wife. 
If I say I'm going to raise a million dollars and I get a million dollars in, if I don't give that million dollars, I'm a liar. Is that correct? Is that okay to say? Or if I use a gimmick or I try to trick you or, or do something, I'm accountable. That's what Malachi says. He said, I'm going to judge the sorcerers and the witches and the guys who take offerings on a gimmick. Amen. So when we're talking about the offering, the Lord says, return to me and I'll return to you. How do we return? He says, tithes and offering. The offering, and and I know you all hear this. We've taught it so many years, but for those that haven't, Malachi is a bunch of Jews meeting together. It's called the Great Assembly in Jerusalem. They're all Jews. And so, you know, uh, it's like if I meet with all my old friends from South St. Louis, we have a different language. We, we have a different, you know, we have a different communication. I, I was preaching for T.D. Jakes one time, and afterwards all these people came up and said, you're from South St. Louis, aren't you? And I said, how do you know? He said, just the words you say and the way you say words. And, and we need to understand that if we're going to understand the Bible, we need to read the Bible through Jews. And so when these Jews hear God's word through Malachi, and says, return to me and I'll return to you. How do we return tithes and offerings? They knew exactly what the Lord was talking about when he said offerings. Now, it's not, well, uh, uh, you know, $100 is your tithe and you throw another 20 on top of that's an offering. That's good. That always works. But when the Lord here is saying uh, offering besides, he's talking about something so powerful and the church hasn't heard it. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16 and 17, the Lord says, three times a year, you come before me and you do not come empty-handed. Now, those three times a year are during Passover, during Pentecost, Shavuot, which we're on our journey to right now, and Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. Now, let me give you an illustration. Three times a year, a window hovers over us. Now, we think that window's open all the time. It's not. Are the windows available all the time? It's not. That window passes over us during Passover. Then the next window passes over us during Pentecost, Shavuot, and then the next window passes over us during Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And I like to use the illustration like blind Bartimaeus. Remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? He's sitting at the gates of Jericho, and the Bible said Jesus came and he would have passed them by. He's coming. Here's all the miracle. Here's all the power. They're all sitting there. Obviously, Jesus knows their need. And the Bible said he's walking on by. Jericho, uh, or uh, Bartimaeus hears the commotion. He said, what is it? He said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And blind Bartimaeus shouts out, Jesus! And a bunch of people around him said, hey, don't, don't bother the, the rabbi. Don't, don't bother the teacher. Don't, don't bother him. And that's what the devil says. You know, this is not a good time. Gas prices are high. Don't bother the Lord right now. You know, the economy's higher than it's been in 40 years. And by the way, I did not vote for Biden. The economy's higher than it's been in 40 years. Don't bother Jesus right now. But Bartimaeus said, I'm not letting anybody keep me from this window of opportunity. And the Bible says he cried out the light as, Jesus! And the Bible says Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. The window. And you know what? Jesus never went that way again. Never went through those gates again. That was the window of opportunity. Now, if the Messiah, if Jesus doesn't return by this time next year, then this window will open again. But if not for a year. Jesus said, when you give, God will return 30 Passover, 
60, we're building momentum, Pentecost. A hundred unlimited Feast of Tabernacles. If we don't, ancient Jewish wisdom says, if you miss this offering, you will not receive the whole harvest God intended for us this year. You can't get the, you can't, you can't hit a baseball and run to second base. You got to run to first base. So he says three times a year, you come before the Lord and you do not come empty handed. And when we do that, he opens the unlimited you showed from the throne of God. And, and does it mean finances? Yes. Yeah. It means finances. You think about Israel coming out of Egypt. Here they were slaves. You talk about something turning around instantly. They were slaves, and the next moment, they're not only free, but they're walking out of Egypt, and the people are saying, take our clothes, take our silver. Folks, this is the key to the end-time transfer of wealth. Finish the scripture for me. Um, The wealth of the Lord is stored up the wealth of the righteous the wicked is stored up why is it stored up why isn't it distributed because nobody has taught us about the first fruits on passover on pentecost and feast of tabernacles 30 60 unlimited we have people in our church and people that partner with us around the world that said, Pastor, when I started understanding first fruits, everything in my life, my family, my, my business, my finances changed. Now, let me show you something. We read Malachi, and here's what pastors used to, are we still in Malachi? Here's what pastors used to say to me. That was for the first coming of Jesus. Can I tell you that the prophecy of Malachi and the financial windows of heaven being opened up is more for the church than it was for the Jew? Look at Malachi chapter 3. Are you ready to see something? Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Let me go down a little bit further just to give you this. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller soap. He will set as a refiner and a purifier of silver. Look at this next verse. He will purify the sons of Levi, those in the ministry, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem, not the West Bank, Judah and Jerusalem, will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. I will come near you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, adulterers, against perjurers. Now, let me stop right there. How many believe that God is not pleased with adulterers? We're, We're live around the world, guys. fake it (laughs) how many believe god is not pleased with adulterers they know how many believe god is not pleased with perjurers with with sorcerers okay he includes us who take the offering in that he includes us now most of the time i have 10 12 minutes Most of the time, we read this and we say, he's talking about John the Baptist. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. If you were to ask 
most Christians, most pastors, who's he talking about? They say John the Baptist. And most of you know this, but in Judaism, in, in the Bible, God always has a lesser and a greater, right? Moses is a great man, but he was less than Jesus. The latter reign, the first church had an outpouring, but the latter reign will be greater than the former. So in everything, there's a lesser and a greater. So when he says, behold, I send my messenger, yes, John the Baptist was a messenger. But ancient Jewish wisdom will tell you the message here, right here, is not for the, the Jew coming out of Babylon as much as it is for the Gentile just before the Messiah returns. And let me prove it to you. He says, behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will, what's the next word? Will suddenly come to his temple. When Jesus came the first time, Malachi was prophesied 400 and something years before the coming of Jesus. So that's not sudden. Jesus came, was announced, the angel announced to Mary, you're pregnant, nine months. Jesus grew up, was born, grew up, little boy, went to the temple. We see him 12 years old, teaching in the synagogue. How old was Jesus when he went in the ministry? 30 years old. How long was he in the ministry? Three years. Then he dies. He dies on the cross. They bury him. He, three days later, he's resurrected again. 40 days he's seen doing miracles, letting everybody know that he's the resurrected son of God. So there was nothing sudden about his first coming. But when it says here, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The Bible says in the second coming, he'll come as a thief in the night. In the second coming, he'll come in a twinkling of an eye. In the coming, he's come, bam, he's there. All of a sudden, it's going to happen. So this message, even the rabbis will say, this message is not so much to the Jew leading up to the first coming of Jesus, but this message is to the Gentile. And one other thing is that they said, how do we return? And God says, in your tithe and three times a year, you come before the Lord and you don't come empty-handed. God does not mention Shemitah. It's not mentioned. Why? Because you only keep Shemitah in the land of Israel. Nowhere else in the world did God require you to keep Shemitah resting the land every seven years, only in the land of Israel. And so this is to Jewish scholars an understanding that in the last days, God was going to open up the windows of heaven over Gentiles who would return to the teachings and the promises of God. Now, let me take five minutes and show you this. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 26, and let me show you something here. This, according to Jewish wisdom, is written to Gentiles who, in the last days, returned to their Jewish roots. You know, I told you that uh, uh, a few weeks ago I was in Israel, and I met with the chief, former chief rabbi of Israel. Ten-minute meeting turned into two hours. And we sat there, uh, uh, this is one of the most respected rabbis in the world. We sat there and talked about Torah. And at the end, after two hours, was a 10-minute meeting, two hours later, we're leaving. He says, I want you to come back. In fact, he wanted me to be there with him this week right now, walking from Auschwitz to Birkenau, doing the March of the Living. I couldn't because I needed to be here with, with us for first fruits. But he said, when you come back, come to my house and, and, have, and have Shabbat with my family. He called Josh Reinstein and he said, when you said that God was going to open the eyes of Christians and Christians and Jews could walk together, he said, Josh, I told you it would never happen. He said, I was wrong. It is happening. And when I was getting ready to leave, he said, how do you know these things? Because we're talking Jewish wisdom. And I said, I study this. I teach this to our people. And he said, that's because 
of Jesus and your Jewish roots. And I said, absolutely. Guys, this is end time. This is end time. Nobody dreamed this would happen. Nobody dreamed this would happen. So look at, look at this, Deuteronomy 26. And, and I'm, I'm trying to go fast. Look at Deuteronomy 26, verse 1. And it shall be, it shall be, when you come into the land, which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it. Now, let me stop right there. Jewish wisdom says this was written not to the Jewish people, but the descendants of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. Jethro was a Gentile. The most important part of the Bible is named after Jethro because he said Jethro and these Gentiles, God will open their eyes in these last days. So it says, when you come into the land, when you and I come back to our Jewish roots, the Jewishness of Jesus, the Jewishness of standing with the nation of Israel, when you and I come back, this prophecy is for you. Now receive it. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord God has given you as an inheritance, and you possess it and you dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first fruit of your produce of the ground which you shall bring uh, from the land that the Lord God is giving you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to one of who is the one who is the priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore. And the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and send it before the altar of the Lord. And, and we go on. Let me, let me just explain that real quick. When you come into the land, you shall bring with you your first fruit. When Israel entered into the promised land, where did they come from? It's not a true question. Where have they been for 40 years? Where? The wilderness. They weren't planting anything. They weren't harvesting anything. They had no crop. They had no first fruit. So when God says, when you come into the land, bring your first fruit. This is a prophecy for the Gentiles right before the coming of the Messiah, that you will come back to the land. And when you come back to the land, bring your first fruits. When Israel came into the promised land, they had to win the land. They had to fight for the land. They had to till the land. They had to plant for the land. They had to reap their harvest. But God said, I'm going to put it in your hands that the moment you come into the promised land and your eyes are open to the things of God, put your first fruit in there and watch Watch if all the world won't be amazed. All the world will call you blessed. Your family, your neighbors. How many times have we seen people say they're firing everybody, but they came to me and said, we're giving you a raise. We're giving you a bonus. We're giving you this. Uh, uh, One of our guys in the back, I won't say it who it is, but one of the guys in the back, not Derek this time, one of the other guys said the boss just come. They got one boss wanting to give him the promotion here. Another boss wanting to give him a promotion there. Listen to me. Everything you put your hands to, God is going to cause it to prosper. You are going to be somebody say it's my turn all right can i give you one i i I wanted to close right here can i give you one more scripture go to deuteronomy 28 go to deuteronomy 28 say out loud this is for me turn to your neighbor say this is for you but more for me no Hey, if I'm not for me, who will be? If I'm only for myself, what am I? That's what Hillel the rabbi said. Look at verse 28. Look at verse, chapter 28. I'm sorry, chapter 28. Verse 1. Now it shall come to pass. Somebody say now. Now. No, uh, 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 a few of you didn't say now. 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 Say now. Now. Now, I know someday, yeah, so, and, and that, that's a trick of the devil. You know, someday you're going to get blessed. Someday you're going to have, someday. Now, say now. now. Say now. now. Now, it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, 
to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you, you, say me, set you, set you, the Lord your God will set you, say amen, Amen. will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings, some of these blessings, a couple of all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Now, can I tell you what that means to me? That means we've already got it. When you've got a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, your barns are full, your vats are full. That's what he says when, on, the, on the first fruit offering. That, and you go, you know what? I don't need any more. God says, I'm not done. I, I like to think of it this way. Oh, run, Tis. Here comes the blessing. Run. Oh, I can't outrun it. No, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. This is last days. Can, can I help you with this? Can I help you with this? Because we got this thing in Christianity against prosperity. And I understand it's been abuse. I, I understand that it's been abuse. But the Bible says, beloved, I would above all things. I would above how many things? How many things? That you prosper and be in health. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When Lion needed a miracle and Tiz needed a miracle, I did not pray, Lord, if it be thy will. Because I know what the will of God is. I know what Jesus paid for it by his stripes. But I also know what the will of God is. The will of God is somebody's going to get blessed. Might as well be you. Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody's going to get blessed. It might as well be you. All right, look at this. Look at this. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. I'm blessed when I leave the house. I'm blessed when I come back in the house. I'm li- Now, I'm not just saying preacher stuff. In these last days, God wants you living in the blessing. Not seeking the blessing, living in the blessing, abiding in the blessing. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you and be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Somebody say seven. How many places Jesus shed his blood? The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all which you have set your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord God has given you. The the Lord God is given you. Say, it's mine. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he swore to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways, then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you and the Lord will grant you plenty of goods. In the, you know, I, I love this. I know I'm going a little, I'm going about two minutes over. I love this because it, it looks like he's covered everything. I'm going to bless you coming in. I'm going to bless you going out. I, I, I'm going to overrun you with blessing. I'll bless your family. I'll bless your herd. I'll bless your flock. And then we think, well, he's done, but he's not done yet blessing us. Amen. And the Lord God will grant you plenty of goods. In the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land. You know what? If there's somebody here that's trying to have a child and has not been able to have a child, God has a miracle for you right now. God has a miracle for you right now. Can can I tell you a funny story? In our first church in Santa Fe, New Mexico, we saw 6,000 teenagers get saved in three years. 
Everything was street. All the kids were off the streets, gangs. You know, of course, their moms and dads, grandmas came in. But all these kids off the street. And this one gal, they, they, they were so astounded. All these kids are leaving the gangs and leaving drug dealing and, 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 and everything that the newspaper came and did an uh, uh, interview. And they're interviewing one of our gals. And, and uh, she said, uh, uh, she said, if it wasn't for Pastor Larry, you know, uh, the Lord, I'd still be on drugs. I'd still be on the street. And if it wasn't for Pastor Larry, I'd have never got pregnant. And I said, uh, can I explain that? <laughs> Listen, Tiz and I have a record of praying for people that are having a hard time having a child. God's got a miracle for you. I don't know who that's for, but God, if you come see us afterwards. Come see Tiz afterwards. It'd be better. The Lord will open for you his good treasure, the heavens to give rain on your land in the season to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations. You shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above what? You shall be above what? Only, only, only. And not beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which is God. And he goes on and on and on. I'll bless you in this. I'll bless you in that. I'll bless you in that. Our God is in the blessing business. And I'm going to declare to you, the closer we get to his coming, the greater the blessing of God will be. God wants to use you as an example to the world. Malachi said, all the world will call you blessed. And I will rebuke the devourer. Whatever the enemy's attacking, God will stand and cause that enemy. He may come against you strong in one way, but today he is fleeing seven different ways. Somebody say amen. Now, I'm going to vow something to you. We've got all kinds of plans. We've got more ministry coming in for our kids. We've got plans for our youth. I'm going to war for our kids. I am not going to let this happen to our kids and not sit back and say something. And so we've got, we've got plans and, and we want to, we, if God willing, we want to build something for the youth and seven things. But right now we're going to receive our first fruit offering. We're going to have you come in. You know, one of the things on the first fruit offering is, is that you, you, the, the first fruit offering of Passover is a Thanksgiving offering for what you've done, delivering us from Pharaoh but it's a seed on what you're going to do. So we're going to have you, as we always do, come up, walk through. This is the, the Holy of Holies. It's the hoopah. It's where we get married to the promises of God and then go out this way. But here's what I want to vow to you. We've, we've sent, in the last month, we've sent $500,000 because of you, your tremendous generosity, and our partners around the world to salvage Jews out of Ukraine. Guys, our concern is, and we, we say it won't happen, our concern is that Russia's going to shut that border down. And I don't know if you've seen what they're doing. So I believe that we really need to bless your first fruit offering and prepare an offering from your first fruit offering to ascend as soon as we can to send to Israel to save Jewish lives. God says, when you bless Israel, I will get involved and bless you. Would you stand with me all over the building? We've already had the altar call for salvation. How much better can it get than that? The Bible says there are three things. Ancient Jews says there are three things that have no limits to them. Three things that have no limits. Acts of charity, studying the word of God, because it's a living word and first fruit offering. What is your need today? As you, as you give to save people's lives coming out of Ukraine, what is your need? Because our God will do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think. We serve a miracle working God. Can I have an amen? amen. I want you to pray right now. Father, lead me and guide me. Show me what to do. This is for all of us on stream. Father, let this be an offering of thanksgiving, remembering the miracle of our salvation, remembering the miracle of the blood of the Lamb. 
But let this also be a seed for our future. That you will bless every one of us beyond anything the church has ever seen. You'll bless us in our coming and you'll bless us in our going. And Father, I declare that your blessing will be so great that the blessing will literally overtake us and we will live in these last days in that blessing. Use us as an example of returning to the commandments of God and living under the open windows of heaven. We receive it in Jesus' name. How many say amen?